Welcome to the Lift Church podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you to live up to your God-given potential. Lovely to see some faces this morning that haven't seen around for a little bit. And uh, today we're going to have a bit of fun. We are going to finish off our Because He Lives series. Uh, we started this about three weeks ago and we shared about how because Jesus lives, uh, I am free how Jesus deals with sin and all of that kind of terrible, terrible, disastrous stuff that sin does in our lives. And if you want to have a perspective change about sin, I reckon that's the message for you. You can get on podcast. Then a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Beck spoke about because he lives, I can face tomorrow. It's a message of hope. And I think there's that, that our world needs a little bit of hope, hey? And I, we don't watch news very often, but last night we did because news is just like tragic. And it was like death, death, explosion, death, death. That was what last night's news was all about. And it's kind of like, what kind of world do we live in that, that is so messed up with all this stuff going on? But in the midst of all of that, we have Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith and gives us a, a, a place to, to, to have our hope anchored in. And so Pastor Beck spoke brilliantly about that. That podcast is available also on our website. And today I'm talking about Because He Lives. And um, I struggle because I gave myself a title. And then I was like, I don't know if that actually works with what I want to talk about. And so we'll just talk about Because Jesus Lives. And, um, and, and really today is, is a little bit different. Um, and, and it comes from a place of understanding that life is full of tension. Anyone recognize that life is full of tension? Anyone wishes that life is just clean, clear, this is good, this is bad, and I'm going to stand on the good side? You know, yeah, everyone wishes a lot simpler than, than, than the life that we have right now. I'm a person that loves things to be nice and neat. And uh, for those who uh, know what happens, we, like, God gave me, like, the best analogy of tension. And, um, and it sucks. Thanks, God. Seriously, but we, we were meant to move houses on Friday after two and a half years of, of this journey, by the way. So it wasn't just like, oh, yeah, we'll move houses. Like, we've been planning for this. And uh, a settlement was booked for 11 o'clock in the morning. And uh, it approached, I think it was about 10, 10.30. We got an uh, email that said, um, sorry, things didn't quite work out of banks. Settlement's now 2 o'clock. And I was like, oh, how's it going to work out? It's like, uh, and I started to get a little bit antsy about it. Um, and we had a whole bunch of people helping us. And it was all really, really nice. Just getting ready for the move. And thought, okay, 2 o'clock's okay. Coming to 2 o'clock, we got another call. It was about 1-ish. Maybe 1-ish. And we got a call up that said, sorry, settlement's now Monday. It wasn't even like, hey, settlement's now 5 o'clock. It's like, settlement's now Monday. <laughs> it was like... And then the owners of the house that we bought uh, into, they, they were like, we are not giving you the keys until settlement is through because it's our legal right to hold on to our keys. And so we were like, what are we going to do? And so we were left in a space of tension because tension is quite often where you are in between two things, hey? And, and it's kind of pulling you in opposite directions. This one wasn't just like two ways. It was like, I was feeling like we got movers coming. Do we cancel them? And then um, the worst one of all, our internet got canceled. And so we got no internet till Thursday. <laughs> like, how am I going to live? I was expecting NBN and now I'm on dollop. No, we're not on dollop. I'm sorry. Just, 
just trying to make it more dramatic than it actually was. But we were in a, we, we are now, we're living with my mom. Thanks, mom. And it was like throwback. It was actually a house that we've never been in, lived in before. Uh, but, but it was kind of like, we've got a house, but we don't got a house. <laughs> we've got somewhere that is ours, but right now we don't have something that is ours. And our Christian walk is very much like that. God's like, you've got heaven, but right now you don't have heaven. You know, God's like, I'm good and you've got eternity and it's going to be full of blessing and the streets are made of gold and it's going to be amazing. But right now we've got lino on the ground and it's marked up because this is a school and kids wear crayons in their back pockets for some reason and just scooch around and that's what we get here. Like, I want my gold streets, man. And so we've got this tension. And, and, you know, it, we, we laugh about certain aspects of it, but sometimes it hurts. Sometimes it's that sense of, like, God says that He's my healer, but I don't have my healing. God says He's my provider, but I'm in deep financial strife right now. And, and, and there's all of these things about tension that we have to deal with, and it, and it seems to be packaged in our lives, and we, have to, we just have to somehow cope. And, 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 and that's kind of what I want to talk about, because I'm a firm believer that that Jesus came to give us life, and life abundantly, right? And life that is overflowing, life that is real, life that is eternal, life that is more life than anything the world could give me. But in the midst of all of that, we're having to learn how to cope with this life as well. And uh, I think that's something that we have to learn how to manage. And something that really impacted me a while ago was hearing that sometimes what we have in our lives is not problems to fix. We don't have problems to fix as much as we have tensions to manage. We don't have things that we... I love talking... Dr. Aldo came last week and we were chatting. And he was saying that as a doctor, yes, often the perspective is, I want to fix that illness. And so I'm going to give you drugs that are going to help you with that illness. But that's not really the root of the problem. Remember, Dr. Aldo was talking about 70% of the illnesses that doctors are treating are lifestyle-related. It's not because you picked up a, a mozzie, you picked up a mozzie, um, and you got bitten, and now you got malaria. It's, it's, it's much more than that. It's like we are eating too much junk. We are uh, smoking too much junk. I don't. Um, just putting that out there. Just in case you're like, well, where's he going with that? Uh, but... But yeah, it's all lifestyle related and it's not about starving ourselves and all becoming, going on a paleo diet or going vegan or going, no, it's about managing our lifestyle so that we get to both enjoy but also look after what we have. And there's a tension there, but it's not something to, to fix. It's not a fix. It is not never have Maccas again, but neither is it. Have Maccas three times a week and you're going to be okay. No, no, no. It's, you need to sort out what managing that tension is. And, you know, well, while we're in between houses, people are in between jobs, we're in between houses, we're kind of like, you know what, let's just, just make it convenient. Let's go out and eat. And Beck and I rarely eat out more than, like, two, three times a week, really. But over the last few days, it's, like, all the time. Anyway, I don't know what's going on. But anyway, I want to... It's all about managing the tensions. And I want to read to you a couple of passages, and then I'll come back to this idea of managing tensions. In Ephesians 2, 1 to 10, 
gives us this really great summary of what God has done for us. And uh, you can read the whole thing yourself, but I want to point out a couple of verses in that passage that really spoke to me. It says, because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. Made us alive. What we need to understand about what we have with God is that He makes us alive. There is this sense that when we accept Jesus into our lives, we actually get more life. We get not just more life, but in contrast to what we had, we have life and what we had was death. We have something about God bringing in this resurrection inside of us. And so He makes us alive. And then Paul goes on to write towards the end, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We are alive in Christ, made alive in Christ, and therefore now we are restored to the original design of how God created us to be, which means that we have purpose, we have meaning, we have something that we get to wake up and live for. Each and every single one of us have that, has that. You have a purpose, you have a meaning because of God. God makes you alive not just to try to get through tomorrow. God makes you alive so that you can live out the design that you were created for. That is the crux of Christianity. Christianity is not just about you. You say, I, I love you, Jesus. I invite you in a life. Zap, you disappear and you get raptured and, and it's all good. You go into heaven and, and, and no, that's not how, I wish it worked that way. I wish it was clean. I wish it was clear. It would be so much easier for a pastor. I'll just say, I'm holding back my salvation prayer to preach this message. But when you see other people disappear, that's because God is real. It will make my job so much easier than convincing you and coming up with all these creative ideas, which, by the way, Good Friday, we've got a really good idea. <laughs> Segway, really great idea. We're going to do a royal commission scene a skit about royal commission about what happens if, uh, if Christianity was placed on, uh, sorry, I was just like, on, on trial. Yeah, if Christianity was, was on trial. Anyway, that's next week. Um, that wasn't in the notes and that's why I got lost. But yes, we were created for good works. We were created for purpose. When you hear that, doesn't that get you excited? It's like, wow, I've got something and then Paul goes on to write in Romans 12, 1 and 2 in the message version. He says this. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Interesting. God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life. your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit in to it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it, unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. See, God's intention is to bring the best me out. That's God's intention. If you kind of think about your experiences and everything that you've been through and you put that lens on it, that God is actually trying to help you be the best you possible. 
and you understand that He's trying to bring well-formed maturity into you, you understand that your life will always be full of tension. One of the things about maturity is that people who are completely black and white about life are immature. I've got a, how old is he now, five-year-old nephew. What do you mean by which one, the younger one? Five? <laughs> yeah, the, the one that's five. And his life is completely black and white. If it's his car, it's his car. It doesn't matter if someone else wants to have a go. It doesn't matter that he's got a hundred cars and I've got none. If I come to him and say, can I play that one? Like, no, they're my, my car. It's like, can I move it? No, you can't touch it. You're putting germs on my car. <laughs> he's like five and he's already like worried about, no, he's not worried about germs. He's just worried about, I don't know, that I've crossed the line. My hand has gone into the protected territory of his toy car and suddenly life is too messed up. He, he, it's like, that's, that's my food, that is what I want, that is mine, that is yours. You can play with that. We can't trade. There's no trade. There's no share. That, 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 that makes things so difficult. And do you know what we call that? That's called immaturity. Because there's a child. There's a childish thinking. The more I've gone through life, the more I see the best me coming out in moments of tension. The best me rises up through tension, the best you is only going to surface because of tension, is to be able to see more than two sides of the coin, is to be able to see that there's another perspective. You know, in the midst of all that was happening on Friday, it was really interesting because I think I'm growing up, and it's really nice to know that I am growing up. And, and, and so in the morning, our movers actually called up. They were supposed to come at one o'clock, and then they called up and said, hey, sorry, our truck it was held up, and we can only come at 2.45, and, and they were coming at 2.45, and at first, like, oh, man, you know, that's going to get held up. I want to move into my house. But in the midst of everything, then with the settlement happening, later on, we went back, and we went, how amazing that because we didn't know what was going on, if the movers came at 1 o'clock, they would be sitting in our house for about an hour trying to work out what's going on. We'll be paying them $110 to sit on their bottoms while we try to sort out what is going on in our lives. But God knew that that was what was taking. And so we're like, thank you, God. In the midst of all of that, we were kind of thinking about how uh, maybe we could have pushed through our settlement and all that kind of gear. But we also had this perspective that if we tried to push through our settlement because It'd be complicated, but the thing that fell through was on our seller's house that he's trying to buy. So it, it has nothing to do with our side. And so we could have pushed through, but if we pushed through, he could have pulled out a card that said that he can uh, give us a key on Saturday, 12 o'clock anyway. And, and that would have messed us up, and that would have been an even worse situation. So in the midst of all of that, that is black and white. I am not in my house, and I want to be in my house. This is so unfair. Our agent was like, this rarely happens. I'm like, why? Why is this happening to me? And I'm like, we waited two and a half years to go to college. Is this a sign, God? Are we meant to just go to like Rockingham and, and, and live the Bogan life? And I, I don't know what's going on. And in the midst of all of that, suddenly new perspective. There's tension. There's things going on. And there's new perspective. There is growing up and there is maturity. And what the rest of today is about is three areas of tension that you are going to face in living out your life and your purposes in God. 
This is a bit more of like Coach Nate uh, giving you some stuff that I've learned, and I hope that is helpful for you. And the first tension that every single one of us as Christians, we must manage. Recognize this is not solve, it's manage. But the first tension that we must manage is that my purpose is glorious and my purpose is mundane. My purpose is glorious and my purpose is mundane. I love that God has created us. He's designed us. He has put us together intricately. He's put gifts, talents, personality, character, all made you for a specific purpose and then Paul goes on to say, live your everyday life. You're eating, you're sleeping, you're going to work. God helping you, you might be able to make something out of it. I'm like, my purpose shouldn't just be about eating and sleeping and waking up and trying to go to work. My purpose is about sharing the gospel. It's about preaching the stadiums full of people. It should be about something so much more magnificent and eternal rather than me looking after my gut health. It should be about so much more than needing to work out and aching after. You know, if God called me to speak to stadiums of people, why couldn't he have just given me abs of steel and a gut that can eat anything and I will never put on any weight? Come on, God. You're the one that designed me. This is a tension that I struggled with in my earlier days because I put in the hard yards in my early days and I got to a bit of a point where I just hit a wall and I was like, come on, God, this is not happening fast enough. This is getting mundane. This is getting a bit too everyday. If you really got a purpose for me, you've got to show me how that purpose looks like. And you've got to show me because right now my everyday is looking terribly mundane. I'm waking up. I'm doing the same old stuff and I'm not getting anywhere. You know your mundane is as much a part of your purpose as the glorious moments. And do you know that the glorious moments sometimes feel like they are few and far between? It feels like you're on the grind. It feels like you're just trying to get through your day by day. And you're like, come on, God, shouldn't I be made for more? It's like, you are, but you aren't more yet. I'm still bringing the best out of you, developing well-formed maturity in you. And until that happens, until you learn how to manage your everyday mundane purpose, I can't open up, I can't unlock more moments of glorious purpose. You know, some of you are giving up on your everyday mundane, the everyday disciplines, because you're kind of wondering why is the, why is the, the, the big things not opening up? In my journey, whenever God has opened up the glorious moments and I haven't done well in my everyday mundane, I've fallen flat on my face. Every day, my Bible reading, if that's not up to scratch, I get the moments to speak to people and I've, 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 I've got nothing to say. You know, God's got something amazing for you, but God's also got an everyday for you. God's got some amazing crazy things that could change the world it feels like in an instant but God's also got a tomorrow where you're left in limbo and you're kind of just like for Beck and myself like oh like when we got to the end of Friday we're like we have got no idea what to do we were meant to spend the whole weekend unpacking and getting our house looking beautiful so that we could start work again on Tuesday and right now it's like I don't know what we're supposed to do every day 
mundane, not very glorious. And we always highlight the glories, don't we? Look at that guy, Dawn. It's like he's living out his purpose. But no one looks at the guy mowing his lawn and saying, oh man, that guy's living out his purpose. But hang on. Take your everyday ordinary. Parents of young kids, there's a lot of everyday ordinary you got to work through, don't you? It smells like poo. You got to spit on your face. You can't have nice clothes. You got chow locks on everything in your house. You just want a spoon. <laughs> can't get your spoon out. Everyday ordinary. Where's my purpose, God? Right here. Faithfulness. I'm developing well-formed maturity in you. I'm doing something so much more in you. There's some, there are always going to be areas of our lives that are not quite disciplined to the point of knowing that it's going to hold up. I know that in my life. There are still areas of discipline that I'm trying to work through. My everyday ordinary that I need to continue to develop and bring discipline in. And the reason why I bring discipline is because it slips. I get it right for three months. And then I'm back to where, what's that, why? Shouldn't it just be like, you get it? Like my, it's supposed to be clean, man. It's supposed to be easy. It's supposed to just be, you get this right, and then you move on. But no, every day, can you sense the tension? Do you have that tension? It's like God's called me. Yeah, he's also called you to love your family. God's called me. Yeah, he's also called you to be, to clean up after your mess. After breakfast, God's called me. Well, you're eating so much crap that you're not even going to live past 29. Just being real here, and, and, and there's a lot of tension that we, we have to deal with, and it's not an either or, it's a both end. I guarantee you, if you live out what God has called you to, there will be moments of like, I don't even know how I'm doing this. But then there'll be moments like, I don't, can't believe I have to do this. And it's both end. There's no job in the world where you're going to be like, ah. I've spoken to so many young people, right? And they'll, they'll tell me after the first week in the new job, Nate, God, God gave me this job. And then I come back a month later, I don't know why the devil gave me this job. <laughs> it's like God became the devil. Somehow, something, no, the mundane hit. Of course, the job description they gave you when you first signed up is going to say, we're going to give you bonuses. You're going to travel to Paris three times a year. You're going to have all of these perks. And then suddenly the mundane hits. And suddenly it went from God gave me this job to like, why the heck am I here? That feels like a lot of life, by the way. I don't think there's any job that you hit and you go like, I love everything about this job. I stand here and I love my job. I love it. I wake up excited to do this. But there are moments, man, and I'm like, why do I have to do this? It's because my purpose is glorious and my purpose is mundane. I've got both. And this slides into the second tension that I think that we need to learn how to work with. And there's a tension of like, I am always contented and I'm always contending. I'm always contented, and I'm always contending. And see, Paul, Paul writes about this, and Paul's a very confused fella. 
In Philippians 4, 10 to 13, he says, I'm not writing this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content where, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in one. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Contentment. I'm okay with whatever comes my way. And then a little bit later, in, in 2 Timothy 2, 5 to 6, he says, Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. He goes on and he talks about how you can't be contented with nothing, but you've also got to strive for something. You've still got to be in contention. You've got to be in it. To win it, you've got to be doing something. And in my life, there is always this tension. And this one is difficult for me because I'm like, I should be happy with this. If my God is sovereign and He knows everything that is going on, then He knows where I am right now, and I should be okay with that. And then the next moment, I'm like, but I should be doing more. But I should be doing more. Should I be happy with that or should I be unhappy with that? Can you hear the tension in that? Is there a situation in your life where it's like, should I just be resigned to the fact that that is always going to be that way? Maybe it's in a relationship. Maybe it's in a job. Maybe it's in something that is going on. And you're like, I don't know whether I'm supposed to be expecting anything more than this. Or am I supposed to just be okay with this? Yes. The answer is yes. Have you ever spoken to a woman and gave her two options? Do you want this or that? Yes. I'm like, what? Women tell me there's always option B, apparently. I'm too scared. I'm too scared to find out. But in this situation, it is a yes. I have to learn how to be contented no matter what has already come my way. But then I also know that my God is able to give above and beyond anything I could ever hope or imagine. And so even though I'm happy with where I'm at right now, I've got tomorrow. And I know that God's got tomorrow. And I know that He's got more. God is not limited by what is. God's only limited by who He is. And so tomorrow, I can still contend for something more. Right now, Lift Church is where it is right now. And it's, I love it. It's great. I'm satisfied with it now, but if this is what it is for the rest of eternity, it's a little bit sad. I love you guys, but there is more, and I'm still contending for that something more, and I don't know which end of the spectrum you might be in. Maybe you don't know how to be contented with the fact that, that, that life hasn't thrown, it dealt you a, a, a cards that, that you wanted, you know, or maybe you're on the other hand where it's like, well, if God wants me to have that, then He's going to be the one that has to do that. Well, it's kind of like, well, it's okay where I'm at right now. And I don't have to worry that I've missed out. See, the, the, the whole thing about contentment is understanding that you've not actually missed out. You've not actually missed out. In, in my years as a single man before, uh, there was always, always a dissatisfaction with where I was because I thought I was missing out. I thought a relationship would cure all of my insecurities. I thought a relationship would just take me to a whole nother level. It didn't, and it shouldn't. 
and I needed to learn how to be contented with my singleness, knowing that God's got something down the track for me. I wasn't missing out now because God's got me. And then when the right moment came, I wasn't worried to ask Beck out. I was like, let's go out. And she was like, yeah, of course. <laughs> totally. Look. Simple. But I hope I'm bringing this across. I'm contented, and I'm also contending. Is there a frustration? If there's a frustration, it's a contentment issue. If there is a sense of, I'm not, I'm missing out, I, there should be more, it's so unfair, is a contentment issue. If that's the case, I love that God is able to do all things. Read the context of this verse. We quote it all wrong, man. We quote it all wrong when we're not getting the things that we want. I can do all things through Christ's strength. The Paul is talking about I can do times of need. I can do times of lack. I can be contented in those moments because God allows me to. It's not about striving for more for me now. It's about striving to be more. It's about striving to know that there is more in me because God continues to bring the best out of me and He continues to develop well-formed maturity in me. I had this thought. God is so invested in the best me that He's going to take chances. He's not always going to give you the things that you want, when you want, because He knows those time attentions will facilitate your growth. And so he's not going to allow everything to be easy breezy, everything to line up the way that you like it to, because he's actually invested in best you. He loves you, and he's invested in best you. He loves you. He is your protector. He is your provider. He is everything that you're ever going to need. And he's also investing in you. He continues to work in you, because best you is around the corner. Best you is always around the corner, by the way. I don't think I've got there. I don't think I ever get there. And there's a tension that I've got to see that right now, even though there are things. I want my house now, by the way. I want those keys now. But I'm content. I'm content. It's okay. It doesn't mean that on Monday, I'm not going to be calling them up and say, where are my keys? Because on Monday, I'll be contending. But right now, I'm contented. Some of you are pushing so hard, you're making Ishmael's instead of Isaac's. I don't know if that's a reference that goes over your head. It's just talking about Abraham's story, where he was promised a son. And he didn't have a son, and so he, he, he had a concubine, and he had a son through his concubine, which was not God's promise for him. That was Ishmael. God told him that wasn't the best. And God still gave him Isaac. But understand that Ishmael and Isaac to this day are fighting. The Arab countries and Israel, the Jews, are fighting to this day because Ishmael should never have been born. There's some Ishmaels that we are pushing out because we're not contented. But there's some Isaacs that we're missing out on because we're not contending. 
I don't know where you're at. I don't have an easy solution for you. It's not black and white. It's a tension. It's tension. It's tense. It's tiring. But there's something more for you. I want to give you one last thing to, to think about. And it comes from Romans 12, 3 to 8. It says, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, so these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. And it goes on to talk about the different things. If you prophesy, prophesy. If you serve, you serve. If you lead, lead. And this is where there's this tension. The, the, the final tension I want to leave with you is this sense that I have an individual purpose and I also have a body that I'm a part of. I am an individual and I am part of a body. And it sounds very simple, but this one has tripped me up so many times in my life. And I think in today's day and age, it's important for us to talk about this because more and more we have become focused on our individual experience, our individual worlds, our individual what I'm going through. It becomes about my grace, my function, my gifting, my calling, my purpose. And somehow, somewhere, we have lost the sense of our purpose our grace, our togetherness. Over the last three months, I've had four people say to me, my situation is completely unique. No one else could ever go through what I'm going through. And unfortunately, I, I, I sincerely believe if you're one of those that said that to me, I, I do apologize. I'm not saying this to, to put you down, but I, I need you to understand this. Yes, your experience is true. Your experience is 100% true. Those feelings, those emotions, all that is going on is 100% true. But it is only your perspective. And there are people that are in far worse situations than you are. There are people who have gone through pain that might not be exactly with all the 15 points that you've lined up about your life, but it's still pain, it's still frustration, it's still anger. When we become detached from this sense that I'm a part of a body and my body also understands how frustration feels like, understands what depression feels like, understands what anxiety feels like, we go around looking for people to acknowledge that we have an experience that is real. You go around saying, hey, do you understand that I'm so angry, I'm so frustrated, you don't understand what my boss did to me. You don't understand how that person treated me. And it is a true feeling, but it doesn't have to be the feeling. We are still attached to a body. And when I forget about the function of the body, and I focus on my function, my experience in my life, my life becomes really small. And suddenly, every little thing is days of our lives. Is drama. And this is what I learned about drama over the last few months. Drama makes you feel like you're going somewhere. Drama puts your mind into overdrive. But you know what? You're on a treadmill. 
Dramas are treadmills that go nowhere. It makes you feel like you're running. Oh my gosh, that person said this, and then that person said that, and then we talked together, and so much was going on. You know what? You were on the same spot. You haven't made any decisions about your life. You haven't gone anywhere. You're still there. You're still in the same job. You're still, you haven't grown up, and you're, you're, you're still in your nappies relationally. You're still in your diapers emotionally because you are just so caught up about your treadmill without understanding that there's a path way that God has called you on and you're supposed to be doing this in community where people get to say to you I've experienced something similar it's not completely the same as you but my experience taught me this you take that principle you place it into your life you get off the drama treadmill and you're going somewhere I'm sorry I get passionate about this but we've got to realize that God put us in community not to compare but so that we can fit together and learn from one another. Someone's going to have better eyesight than me. Someone's going to have better hearing than me. Someone's going to be better with their hands than me. Someone's going to be better with their feet than me. And when I go to them and I say, look, I've got bad eyesight. I'm not talking physically, by the way. It's like suddenly, like, who's this old man? It's like he's dying on stage in front of me. You know, we went, I, I went to eye check last year. And I had to get glasses right. And then Beck was there. Beck was just like, can I just have an eye check too? If you know Beck, she doesn't wear glasses. So she had an eye check. The, the optician like compared our results. And, she, and he was like, you're a normal Asian, all short-sighted and half-blind. And then she, he, he put Beck on and was like, you're a pilot. <laughs> if, you know, people get 10-10 vision. You've got 20-10 vision. You can see, I'm like, what the heck, man? <laughs> so Bexy is better than me. Is it a competition? And I was like, Beck, see. Use your eyes. Help a blind brother out. <laughs> but that's what the body should be like. Have you gone through some difficult times with your finances? How did you pull through? What did you learn? What can I learn? You know, there was that season where you struggle with identity. You, maybe you struggle with depression. How did you get out of that? It might not be a one-for-one -one exchange, but there's something, there's gold in there, man. My function is not ever going to be as glorious as the body's function. My function is never going to be as glamorous as out there, as when I'm working with, when I'm working with within the body. And that's why we have churches. But not even just local churches. Like I love meeting pastors from other churches. And the great thing about Vic Park is that the pastors here are all amazing. Honestly, like we, when we set up Lift Church and we put out our Facebook page, we had uh, uh, one of the staffers from another church say, I love that you're coming into our town. Let's go meet up for a coffee. I'll tell you everything that we've learned so far. Like, Thank you. It wasn't like, what are you doing? You got better video than us. Get out. I was like, good. You do something and we'll do something and we'll keep going because there's people. There's a mission to reach. Suddenly my experience and what I'm seeing, what I'm feeling, yes, it's true. Yes, I acknowledge it. It's not about suppressing it. I acknowledge it. 
I vent. I have my moments where I like beg. I just need to vent. And when I, I vent, and then after that, it's like, but there's more perspective. It's a larger body. There's something going on. I think Brian Houston was the one that said, the part I play is not as big as what I'm a part of. The part I play is not as big as what I'm a part of. Sometimes we need to put aside our individual dramas and take on a larger perspective. I don't like doing that, but because the body will be better off, I'm going to do it. We're not in competition with one another. We're here to help each other grow. And you've got to know that the person sitting to your left and to your right is not perfect, but they've got stuff. doesn't matter whether they're younger than you or older than you. They've still got experiences and they've got, they've got gold inside of them that you can draw from. I love being a part of a community. And as much as I'm the senior pastor, the lead pastor, I love that there are people that are still teaching me stuff all the time. I love it. At times I'm just I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And then we've got a team of people and we just talk it out and they're like, you know what, Nate? You're doing okay. And then inside I'm like, I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. It's great. Let's, let's, let's understand that you've got a personal mission and we need to see that. We need to see that come to pass. You've got a function that God's given you to do. But it's never meant to be all about you. I'm saying that generally to every person. It's not about you. It's about the body. Together, we are going somewhere. Can we get the band up this morning? Those three tensions, I believe, are purpose-defining for you. I think they will really help you in processing and working out where you're supposed to be and what you're supposed to be doing. What's the first one? The first one is that my purpose is glorious and my purpose is mundane. My purpose is glorious and my purpose is mundane. I can do the everyday. And when I do the everyday, I'll be ready for those moments. I'll be ready for the moments that God has for me. The second is that I am contented and I am contending. None of us have ever reached the final line yet. We still got some way to go. But right now, right where I'm at, I'm contented. God has brought me this far, and He will continue to lead me into the more that He has for me. So I'm not going to stop. I'm going to keep going. But right now, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you are so good, that, that, that what has happened so far is only going to make me stronger, is only going to make me go further, is only going to help me be the best me. And finally, I've got a purpose, and I'm also part of a body. There is something bigger than me. There is a part that I play, and I cherish that part. That part helps me to get up every morning, get, get me going. In the difficult times, I'm still going because I have a purpose that God has created me for. But my purpose is in line with what the body is doing. And more than ever, I think we need to have a unity as a church. We need to be able to see that it's not about the gifts and talents of one. It's about the gifts and talents of the many that come together, forming a body that allows us to take the territory that God has for us. It's coming to Easter time, and it's not about putting on an Easter experience. It's about you taking the gospel wherever you can go. It's not about what we're doing uh, on a church front, even though that's important and that's great. We had 30 people come up to help us run a carnival yesterday that reached about 450 people, and I 
our community. That is amazing when we do that together. And, 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 and at the same time, you've got friends and you've got family that I can't reach. You've got people in your life that need you to be carriers of the gospel wherever you go. That's the simpleness of the mission of the body. Go and make disciples wherever you go. Start in Jerusalem, go into Judea, and then Samaria, and then to the ends of the world. God has got a mission for us together. And so we got that. We've got this church. God is bringing the best in me. He's developing well-formed maturity in me. I love that. I absolutely love that. Can we just stand? I just want to pray for you. I understand attention is not fun. I understand attention is not easy. I understand that tension doesn't have an uh, 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 on-off switch. It doesn't have an either-or function. It doesn't have a let's boil it down and this is right and that's wrong. It's tension. It's pulling. It's, it's energy sapping. Well, my prayer for you is that you keep going. You keep going because God's forming maturity in you. He's bringing the best in you because your purpose still remains. The gifts and the call of God is irrevocable. He is going to use you to have an impact. You have got a purpose to live for. And we all want to see that happen. So God, I pray for every single person in this room. No matter how old, no matter how young, no matter how far away, no matter what has taken place, no matter what they have done, you're still calling to us. And God, you play something amazing in each and every single one of us. And I pray that, God, that you are helping to develop that and you're helping to grow that. I pray for strength. I pray for vitality. I pray for zeal. I pray for passion. I pray for courage. I pray for boldness that we can take our everyday ordinary, place it at your feet and continue to see you form the best in me. I pray that you stretch our imagination, but you also stretch our perspective and we see the way that you want us to see. I pray that we take on a, a, a godly perspective. We don't get caught up in the individual dramas of our life. That God, that we are contented, but we are still contending. That there is more for us in the future. Each and every person, I pray that God, that you give people, those who have gotten a little bit jaded, those who have gotten a little bit dry, that God, that you're showing them that there's more tomorrow. That there's something worth fighting for. That is something worth living for. That you are called something great out of each and every single one of us. Amen. I just want to speak to people right now who don't know Jesus. You don't know about this Jesus I've been talking about. You don't feel like your life has any purpose. You don't feel like you've got anything to really live for. And let me just tell you that God came to earth to die on the cross for your sin. He's the one that, that, that took all the effort to give you a life. That, that He came to earth to give you real and eternal life, more and better life. And if you want that life, all you have to do is to invite Him into your heart. And so I'm going to lead us all in a prayer. You can say this prayer after me uh, and, and, and invite Jesus into your life. All right, church, let's pray this together. Dear Jesus... I know that I have sinned. I know I've fallen short, but I invite you into my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. Amen. Thank you for tuning in today. If you would like to find out more about Lyft, 
check out our website at theliftchurch.com.au.